0: Uh, Today's reading is Romans 6, verses 20 to 23. It's on page 861 in the Pew Bibles. Um, I'm reading a slightly different version that was given to me. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you, Sandy, and this morning we're blessed to have Ash... Come and he's going to open the word today. Lord God, may our hearts be open and softened towards your word this day in Jesus' name. I'm always uh, quite in awe of Alistair's ability to hop up here without notes and uh, speak coherently and clearly. Uh, It's a little bit like his mind is a really well-designed engine that seems to be able to run consistently at a high RPM, By comparison, my mind is a bit more like a tractor, which um, stalls sometimes and blows the odd radiator hose. So I say all that to say I've got notes to help keep me on track so we don't end up in the weeds. So Romans, the book of Romans, we've been working through it uh, and... The church at Rome was in the city of Rome but it was part of the Roman Empire and so a lot of influence, a lot of control in the world. But as we know, the Roman Empire went into a state of decline. Uh, they became, despite their influence, they became obsessed with food and sex and appearance and uh, that became, started to become their downfall. I don't know if any of that sounds familiar. Uh, and so the church at Rome... Paul writes this letter to the church at Rome to encourage the Christians there to stay strong in what they believe uh, despite everything that is going on around them. So highly relevant in my opinion. So let's dig into verse 20. If you will read verse 20 with me, one second. Romans chapter 6 verse 20, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. So I didn't come from a Christian background, and this word sin was pretty foreign to me. I just thought it meant like bad people. Uh, And so I'll draw a little diagram for you Uh, over on this side. I'll get out of the way in a second, don't worry. So we have bad behavior, good behavior, you know, and then the little lawyer inside our head loves to put a dotted line down the middle and be like, "Oh, I'm pretty sure I'm over here somewhere. Right? And this was sort of like when I heard Christians talking about sin, this was sort of roughly what I thought, like the sinners are all over here and uh, I'm here somewhere, I hope. Uh, but that's not the way the Bible describes sin. So I gave out some passages. Someone has got Romans chapter 3 to read out for me. Who has that? Yep, 23. Yes, can you read that for us, Steve? Yep, Romans 3:23. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Thank you. And I think, Maya, you've got Isaiah 53? You do. Yeah, you've got it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> All of us straight away, we have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on Him the sins of us all. So when I heard passages like this, I was sort of confused. It doesn't seem to be as simple as bad people and good people. Uh, in fact, it's like the Bible is saying that we're all got fundamental issues in this department. Uh, and I'd like to read to you a little bit of a story a fellow called Alexander Solzhenitsyn. You might have heard of him. He was an intellectual uh, in Russia, Soviet Russia, and he got put into the gulags. Uh, very insightful guy, wrote some really cool books, and he observed the fact that the prison guards were people that went home to their families, looked after their kids, and then came to work and did these atrocious things in the name of their ideology. And by... The same extent, on the other side of the political spectrum, there were other people justifying doing awful things in the name of their political ideology. And he said this, it occurred to me that the line between good and evil is not between political parties, it's not between states or classes, but it runs right through every human heart. It takes a certain level of naivety for us sitting in New Zealand in the 21st century to think if we were in Germany in the 20s, 30s and 40s and we were brought up under that sort of ideology that we wouldn't be part of the people that we now look back and criticise. Odds are a thousand to one that we probably would. And so history lines up with the Bible in this regard in that We are all orientated towards sin and towards our own self-interest, if you wanted to put a simple way of describing it. So irrespective of behaviour, wherever you fall along this spectrum, our hearts naturally point towards sin and ourselves. So you can be a good little communist in the Soviet Revolution but your heart is orientated towards sin, towards doing what's most convenient to you. And this applies wherever we might fall along the behavior spectrum. One thing that's interesting about this is that over time, our culture, you know, our culture now commonly says things like, do what makes you happy, you do you, do your best. And it's really a justification for doing gratifying self, gratifying your impulses, and suiting suiting yourself, so to speak. And so this is all our culture has to offer us, is you do you, try to be good. Paul goes on in verse 21. And what was the result of you being slaves to sin? What was the result? Well, in our culture, we can see A few different results. As we orientate ourselves towards doing whatever suits us, we have increasing anxiety, increasing depression in our culture, increasing uh, legislation. So interestingly, as you take away a moral compass for people, as we just orientate ourselves to whatever suits us, you have to create more and more laws to get people to do what's right. And so that's the path we're kind of on at the moment. The fruit that we get from this orientation towards self so verse 22 goes on that now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God I remember looking at this and passages like this when I first was interested in the Bible and thinking what on earth does that mean? how on earth am I free from the power of sin? I feel like it's still pulling at me pretty hard How are we free from the power of sin? Well, I'm glad you asked. Someone there has got Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. Big voice. Turn around as well. You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and they exist because you created what you please. So God created the world, he created us on it, he set us up to be caretakers of this world, caretakers of each other, and lovers of him, and that's the way he designed everything. It's not really how it is. I've forgotten the next, Is Isaiah 53. Kev, could you read out Isaiah 53.6 again? like sheep have strayed away we have left God's paths to follow our own yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all so we got put in this position we look at the situation and we go I'm pretty sure the kilogram of meat between my ears is smarter than God I'm going to be I want to make myself the king of my own destiny I know what's best what would he know God doesn't allow this to continue. He's true to his word. And the result of doing what we please is death. Someone's got Hebrews 9. I gave it to someone. Yeah. How'd that end up back at you? Just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. Thank you. So us disrupting the order of the world and doing what we jolly well please has consequences, which we see all around us. Thankfully, this is not the end of things. It's not the end of the matter. Kev, Isaiah 53.6 again, please. Yeah, do all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Do you guys want to learn a song? Colin Buchanan made a song out of that verse. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Ba, ba, the be-ba, ba. Each of us have turned to our own way. Do you remember this, Joshie? And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53, 6. No one else else has had that played in their car repeatedly. You know it? Thank you. Great. I feel less alone now. So because of his love, God has pursued us. Despite our desire to wreck what was a good design, our desire to think we know better than the creator of the universe, God sent a rescue mission in Jesus who lived the perfect life that we don't, who dies on a cross in our place for our sins. God then raised him from the dead to rule over creation. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Who's got that? All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. We live with great expectations. So God raised Jesus to life again as ruler and judge of the world. Jesus conquered death and we are left with a choice. We can be little kings and queens of our own destiny or we can realise... We're not as clever as we think we are. John chapter 3 verse 36. Who did I give that to? Murray, thank you. Um, The Father loves the Son and has put everything into his hands. And anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life but remains under God's angry judgment. C.S. Lewis put it really well when he said, There are those who finally say to God, Have it your way. And there are those who, in the end, God says, Have it your way. So we have two choices. This is a simple way to break it down. And this is how we are able to be set free from the power of sin. So if we go back to our little, uh, our little good person, bad person schematic that my pre-Christian mind thought was how we define sinners. we got bad behaviour, bad behaviour, good behaviour, and we're all orientated towards self and sin. But there's another dimension here. Because we've been set free from sin and death, our hearts can be reoriented. And so, the magical thing about this is, regardless of where you appear on this spectrum along here, your heart can be reoriented towards God. Because we can play church and we can play good behavior all day long and have our hearts pointing in this direction, and it's meaningless. And you can also have people out here who the world looks at and is like, man, that person's messed up. And they can have their heart reoriented. And What this begins, we we call this justification. The technical term for this is justification. You take on Jesus' righteousness. What he did on the cross, you take it on. When you put your faith in Jesus, you take that on. And it starts a process of what we call sanctification. Or here in the NLT translation, now you do those things that lead to holiness. Okay? So when we turn to God, we get pulled towards the likeness of Jesus. But we have, I have to make it abundantly clear, being a Christian has got nothing to do with this axis. Being a Christian has got nothing to do with good people or bad people. It's about being saved. It's about being saved and putting our trust in Jesus. And if you're anything like me, your walk might look something like this. Uh, The drawing's not right. That's that's me, like claw marks getting dragged through the dirt. (laughs) But our hearts, it's about our hearts being reoriented towards God, being set free from the power of sin, to become slaves to God. And the remarkable thing about Christianity, I've I've had the privilege to interact with quite a number of religions when we lived overseas, and most of them are about behaviour modification. And we sometimes mistakenly turn Christianity into behaviour modification. And we hear a message like this, and we're like, oh, i just got to try harder, sin less. No, you need to reorientate your heart to God and realise what Christ has done. That's step one. And this is what is remarkable about Christianity. It's different in this sense. It is not behaviour modification. It's a complete change of the human heart. Now it's a it's a slow process and it has a humbling effect. How How can I act holier than thou when in reality we all know that we're broken? All of us in this room know that we're broken. And that our, all that is good in our lives comes only from God. It's a free gift from God. There's a fellow, uh, hard case guy called G.K. Chesterton. He put it something like this. Christianity preaches an obviously unattractive idea, original sin. That when we wait for its results, they are understanding and brotherhood among us as Christians. And laughter and pity... For only with original sin can we at once pity the beggar and distrust the king. Christianity has a humbling effect on us. And none of us can look down our nose at each other as a result. But we can only turn to Christ and give thanks. Finally, verse 23 of the passage today. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life, through Christ Jesus, our Lord. The message of this passage is that no matter what you do, you are going to have to serve somebody. You can talk all day about being free from the shackles of religion, but at the end you're probably just serving your own impulses or what the culture tells you to believe. And so this passage encourages us to allow ourselves to be free from slavery to sin and to orientate our hearts towards God. Bob Dylan had a hit song, Serve Somebody. Do you know the song, Kev? You're going to have to serve somebody. It might be the devil. It might be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. (laughs) 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 But it's true. It's absolutely true. And this is the option this passage gives us. What will we serve? We are going to serve something. What will we serve? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the book of Romans and the way that it challenges us. Thank you that you have given us the option to be free from slavery to sin and to become slaves to you, to become slaves to Jesus, to become slaves to all that's good in the world, Father. I'd much rather be enslaved to that than anything else, Lord. May 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 we dwell on this word of yours, Father, And may it impact the way we orientate our hearts towards you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.